1: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Rob Norman. I'm Andrew Norton. This is Personal Best.
3: So we're here at CBC. It's 8.30. Uh, We're at our desk. People are just arriving for the day. As you walk through the CBC office, everyone's desk has these trophies on them. Uh Uh-huh. You walk through and you can kind of tell which podcast which shows are the important ones by how many trophies they have on the desk so we decided we need a trophy for our desk yeah a big one so we went to a trophy shop near the office and we got our own uh, custom trophy made and this is it right here this is our first time looking at
1: it yeah it's a, about three feet it looks like it's covered in garbage bags and we're about to do the big reveal okay so we picked all the classiest things but i'm wondering if it came together if it looks classy
3: Oh, my wow. God. It's got Incredible. two different tiers to it. The whole thing is gold. And then, of course, the plaque says, uh, Personal Best, Best Podcast 2018. This looks great. It does look great. Why doesn't everyone buy themselves trophies? I guess we just now kind of wait
1: for the accolades. Yeah, maybe tilt it towards the, the entrance so right. that when people come in, it's hard not to see it.
4: That's pretty snazzy. I've I've not seen a trophy that spectacular outside of a bowling alley.
0: This looks like the trophy that maybe, like, a fantasy football league would share. And see those
3: little, uh, figures? That's cool. It looks like Batman. No, that's not Batman. That's a, uh, that's a king or a prince, maybe? Oh, I see. Okay. I wish our trophy had Batman on it.
2: And, uh, there's, like, a motorcycle.
3: Well, the guy in the motorcycle's pumping his fist like, F- yeah. Yeah. And he's doing a
1: wheelie. Yeah, he's celebrating. And then j- the thing that pulls the whole thing together is the microphone at the bottom.
2: It's kind of beautiful.
1: You here's his personal best, best podcast 2018?
2: What? Congratulations! I'm so proud! Who gave it to you?
1: Um, the podcasting,
3: podcasting award. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: Right. Who? Okay.
3: Congratulations. This gives a bit of credibility to a, your, your whole uh, gig. Well, let's go around to the elevator. Sure. And, uh, maybe we can see if there's a trophy case around. Pop this trophy in the trophy case. Exactly. So this is a trophy case here. That That is an Emmy, okay? And there, this is a Peabody as well. Yeah, Andrew, it's, it's, intro, it's screwed it. in, man. Yeah, that's like plexiglass that's not going to open. Yeah, we need a screwdriver. What if, uh, you know, we could just place it on the ground nearby, and then maybe someone will think, like, hey, that needs to be put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a piece of paper? Because if we write, to be put in case. To be put in case. You know what? That's a good idea. We should do that.
1: Just writing, please put trophy in case. Okay, so I got some tape. Oh, great. All right. Go find its place. See that sign up there? A tradition of excellence. Soon we will be a part of that tradition of excellence. That's right.
3: So we have two stories this episode. And just a heads up, this
1: first one mentions sex. Here's Rob. You know when you go to a party and there's that one person telling a story to a group of people? They're so funny, but it also seems so effortless. It's like they can read the crowd perfectly. They always have the right thing to say. Well, there's those people. Then there's people like Kevin.
0: Favorite dead language? Probably have to say Sanskrit.
3: Kevin is a college student studying linguistics.
0: The whole family of languages derives from the Proto-Indo-European, which was a family of languages including... As
3: you can hear, he's very passionate. He's analytical.
0: And they all derive from this one family.
3: But the one thing he's
1: not?
0: I'm not funny. Not even a little bit.
1: For Kevin, comedy is a mysterious and mercurial mistress. And those who possess it have an almost otherworldly superpower.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because the funny man always gets the attention, right? Everyone loves the comedian. You know what it's like to land a great joke. You feel invincible. But
1: Kevin's more familiar with the opposite feeling. You know, the one where you cobble together a joke in your head. You're confident it's gonna kill. You say it only to watch the joke fall from your mouth onto the floor. It's pure and absolute death. And sure, being the life
3: of the party would be nice. But Kevin wants to be funny for another reason. To make his grandma laugh.
0: I mean, I grew up mostly with my grandmother because my parents were taking care of my younger brother. So to give her that last gift is something that I consider very close to me and very dear. Is she an easy laugh?
1: No. So a tough crowd.
0: Very tough crowd of one. (laughs)
3: So obviously there's no magic formula to being funny, except for this magic formula Rob knows about.
1: So there's this old saying that all comedy is just tragedy plus time.
3: Comedy is tragedy plus time. So we need to find some old tragedies. I think this calls for a field trip. All right. Hey. So I guess we're looking for the history section. We're at our local reference library on the hunt for the funniest tragedies for Kevin
1: to write jokes about. I like this pounding the pavement. But this library is huge. It's totally overwhelming. Luckily, there's a woman behind the counter who is very helpful. Hi. We're looking for the worst tragedies. It's kind of for comedic purposes. Obviously,
3: we don't want anything that's too soon. I mean, I guess if it's before 1900, there's a very good chance that no
1: one is alive. Who, There's no, like, survivors. No, there's not a good chance. There's no yes. chance. No one's 200 years old, man. My new librarian friend gives me some Dewey Decimal numbers of a few historical events that might meet our criteria. Do you think that's enough disaster to begin with? So we hit the stacks. Tragedy awaits. Ancient Egypt, death on the Nile. Is there any blood on the cover? Done some um, pretty cool things. Peloponnesian War, um, that's pretty good. Marathon, I had to run really far to warn people.
3: Is that where the name Marathon comes from?
1: Yeah, apocalypse. Did you know that before? Yeah, It's a place. How far did you have to run? Far. Hmm. You know what would also be good is finding out about the raft of the Medusa. So shipwreck and all these um, sailors had to eat each other to survive.
3: Maybe a tragedy where someone doesn't die. Fires are great. Fire, yeah. Or someone gets their car, or I guess, I was just going to say get their car key. <laughs> it's a mishap, it's not a tragedy. Or like a boat that they
1: forgot to put an anchor on. That would be pretty funny. It's here where we realized we don't know what a tragedy is. So we go back to the front desk. Is there a section where like we can find a dictionary?
2: A uh, dictionary, we actually have one just...
1: Right. right okay, there. thank you. Okay, tracheotomy tracksuit, trademark. Here, tragedy. Okay. An unfortunate, sad, or discouraging occurrence or situation, bad luck, unhappy fate, misfortune. So tragedy is not something where it's like, oh, I planned to murder you and then you got murdered. No, it has to be almost like random.
3: Ill-fated, an ill-fated event. Ill-fated.
1: So with our new definition, Rob
3: suddenly remembers the story of Oedipus. Do you know that story? I vaguely remember it from high school. It's a Greek myth. He has sex with his mom?
1: No, well, there's, that's an oversimplification. It's like a story about escaping fate, how you can't escape fate. But kind of the quick log line,
3: he has sex with his mom, rips out his eyes, right?
1: Yeah, I guess
3: so. Okay, so we got Oedipus, but we're going to need a bunch more tragedies. Luckily, our librarian friend has been hard at work. Oh, you have something for us?
0: Yes. Um, I was thinking natural disasters.
3: Natural disasters, yes.
0: But then I went under and I set list of historical tragedies.
3: Okay, So you you just Googled tragedy and printed
1: something off for us. Smart. So after three hours at the library, we leave with a list of tragedies Googled for us by a librarian.
3: The next time we see Kevin, we have pages and pages of research about... The Hindenburg disaster, the Great Chicago Fire, Oedipus Rex from Greek mythology, the Black Death. Also the Donner Party, where in 1847, a group of pioneers got stuck in the
1: mountains and had to resort to cannibalism. Oh, and the tragedy that it's Esperanto. What's so tragic about
0: Esperanto? It's
1: supposed to be the universal language and only two million people speak it. <laughs> see? We're already laughing here. I thought Kevin, as a linguist, would like that one. He looks over our research. Um, hmm. There's some material here, and also we invited a real stand-up comedian to help with joke writing. Hi there,
2: uh, Kevin. Nice to nice meet you
1: too. This is Jackie Pirico, one of my favorite stand-ups. She's the perfect mix of relatable and weird.
5: I was on a date with this guy, and he was asking me like what I like like in the bedroom. I was like, oh, well, I like it when I'm doing that with a guy. And then after that, he still likes me and calls me.
1: I think she's going to be a great teacher for Kevin.
5: Comedy is all about your unique experience on things that are relatable. Right. The things that you talk about should matter to you. Because
3: Over the course of about a half an hour or so, Jackie very thoughtfully walks Kevin through setups and punchlines, relatable premises, callbacks. It's a complete comedy crash course.
0: I'm feeling confident. I mean, I think... I feel like I can do it.
3: So Jackie takes off. She'll be back later.
5: Uh, I hope I helped you, Kevin. I'm excited to see your staff. Oh, really?
2: Yeah.
3: But it's time for Kevin to work on some of his material. The one thing I think really came across is the best comedy is personal. Kevin should write about things that affect him.
1: Absolutely. But are we really going to let all that research go to waste? I don't think so.
0: So sex with me is like the Hindenburg, it's loud, it's gassy, and it only happened once. Sex with me is like the Hindenburg, it uh, it makes sex on the Titanic look good. Wait, wait, what? how does that one work? Well, think about the movie, right, where they had sex, and then they died, right? So, oh gosh, that doesn't really work then, does it? Uh, Toronto Blue Jays had a very bad year. With the amount of missed balls, I guess they killed all their dads and sex with their mom and then ripped out their eyes.
3: (laughs) Oh, like they couldn't see. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, Oedipus Rex and Major League Baseball together in one joke. But let's try and remember our audience here. I wonder too, is there anything that your grandma would particularly like? Is there anything that she, you know...
0: or laugh at? Yeah. All right, so my grandmother likes to cook from home, but, you know, she's in her 90s. Her skills are kind of off... Food is so bad it makes the Donner Party buffet look good.
3: Yeah, okay. A little burn on grandma? You think she'd like that? I think she wouldn't not
0: like it, you know. (laughs) There we go. We wrote a joke. We certainly did. And there's more where that came from. As a linguist, my dad says I'm wasting my time. I say, oh, really? Try singing that to me in Esperanto. Yeah. In 1871, the Great Chicago Fire happened. But if you lived in Chicago in 1871, you probably didn't think it was that great. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think that one's a winner right there.
0: Well, I got one, right? Yeah, that's great. We bring Jackie back in and
3: Kevin performs his set. She seems confused about Kevin's new material
5: it's It's really obscure. yeah. yeah. Um,
3: but Kevin seems unfazed. are you Are you nervous?
0: Uh, a little bit, but I think with the right amount of preparation and structure, I think I'll be fine. Yeah. Right? You guys seem to laugh at a few of them, so they can't all be bad.
5: No way. (laughs) Getting a laugh out of, like, a few people in a room in the middle of the day where no one's drinking (laughs) is great.
3: (laughs) Jackie gives him a few notes, and Kevin has a tight five of new material. So we send him off to perfect it before his headlining set.
1: Now, live from Kevin's grandma's living room, recorded with his own cell phone, here's Kevin. Are we all ready? We're
0: ready. Okay, great. I got my jokes here.
1: It's a sold-out crowd of three, Kevin's dad, his uncle, and his grandma, who he lovingly calls Aggie.
0: Okay, so in 1871, the Great Chicago Fire happened, right?
1: Every comedian knows you always start with your most audience-friendly bits.
0: Big fire, lots of deaths, lots of damage. Very, very sad event. But if you lived in Chicago, you probably didn't think it was all that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Okay, okay, we got some last. That's good. <laughs> That's good.
1: Next he gets into
0: some crowd work. So you know, you cook a lot of food, right, Aji? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it gets so bad.
5: Oh bad!
0: I'll bet it's sometimes it's so bad it makes the Donner Party meal look like a buffet.
5: <laughs> the who?
0: the bo- Donner Party. The guys that ate Ken- cannibalized. Oh
4: my goodness. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting oh. there. So,
1: so the crowd's all warmed up. Deadly. Now he moves on to his topical <laughs> material. Dirigibles.
0: Uh, if you know anything about technology travel, uh you would know that there's this ship called the Hindenburg, right? Yeah. A big uh what was it? Airship, the, uh, airship. Airship. Yeah, that's right. Um, hanging around me is a lot like the Hindenburg too, you know. Okay. Uh, it's loud. It's gassy, and you only do it once. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 right, Adji?
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good.
3: That right there is some authentic grandmother laughter.
4: I love it.
2: Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Good.
4: that's I good. I love good. it. my speak? I love it.
0: Thank you, Aji.
3: When you think about your favorite comedian, you might think about their delivery or their turn of phrase. But the most valuable skill you need to be funny is a willingness to fail. And after all these years of bombing, it's a skill Kevin has mastered. Completely by accident.
0: So, uh, this next joke's about the Black Death, you know. Oh. Yeah. So...
1: Everything I know about lying comes from the very problematic, but still very enjoyable romantic comedy. No, she's yes, all that. The guy thinks he can do anything. Let him prove it. What do you say, Zach? As part of a bet, popular high school soccer star Freddie Prince Jr. dates weirdo introvert Rachel Lee Cook. I'll pick the girl, and you got six weeks to turn her into the prom queen. But he ends up having real feelings for her. Everything seems great until she finds out the truth.
4: Is that true? My bet? Am I a bet? Am I a fing bet?
5: Yes. You didn't think you became popular for real, did you?
1: The lesson is that lies hurt, lies are wrong, and liars get caught. But maybe that's not right. I mean, things are great between Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook before the pesky truth gets in the way. Maybe always telling the truth isn't a good thing. Is it possible that my favorite movie of 1999? could get it so wrong meet oriana oriana how's your pitch
4: i have perfect pitch no you do no don't. i freaking do
1: so what what is this
4: Ooh. It's l- almost E sharp.
1: Oriana splits her time as a musical theater actor and a singing instructor for kids and teenagers.
4: It requires nurturing, but it also requires a dose of reality. Because I want my students to learn, and that makes me so happy. But when they don't learn anything, argh, dude, I have a hard time holding back. Yeah, I have said to kids in the show I was in last year that you cannot put this on stage because people will laugh at you. But they fixed it. It worked.
1: Oriana wants her students to be the best they can possibly be. But her feedback has only one mode. Very direct.
4: Because when I see something that could be fixed, I don't always see stating my opinion as a bad thing. I'm trying to be helpful.
1: Maybe that sounds nice to you. Just speaking your mind and not caring how you're perceived.
4: No, but I do care how I'm perceived. I care a lot. And... I worry that people like me. I, I, I definitely know a lot of people don't. I don't know how to fix that. Truth is not always good. Truth does not equal good.
1: <laughs> so Andrew, it's up to us to teach Oriana
3: how to lie. I'm like Oriana. I think there's something so satisfying about telling the
1: truth. Yeah. As someone who works with you, I know that.
3: Yeah, I cannot help but wear exactly how I'm feeling all over my face at all times.
1: Me, on the other hand, uh, I like to tiptoe on
5: the lily pads of creative truth-telling. Yes, so that's good. We already have a natural liar and then a natural truth-teller. So it's a good partnership. This is Dr. Kang Lee, a scientist and an expert on lying. <laughs> Dr. Kang
1: Lee is super cool We talked for over an hour He's so smart and funny And knows about cool stuff Like lie detectors I once saw on a TV show Someone beat a lie detector test By putting a pin in their shoe And then stepping on it Does that work? Oh yes I always thought about If someone asked you a question Could you just imagine them Asking you a different question And then answer that question In your head Would that work? Yeah that would work
5: too you can also throw off a polygraph by clenching your butt cheeks. Yes, exactly. So when they tighten up their buttocks, it creates the similar kind of effects that mask over the real uh, signals of lying.
1: And Dr. Lee has good news for you if you're worried about getting caught in a lie, even when you're
5: not hooked up to a machine. You practically cannot tell whether or not another person is lying or not. And re- regardless of your experience, regardless of your training. So, for example, uh, people in the police force, people who are working at the border, the customs officers, they deal with liars all the time. They are not very good at detecting people's lies.
1: While we might not be able to notice, lying causes all sorts of changes in your autonomic nervous system. Your heart rate goes up. You just start sweating. That's what the polygraph test picks up, your sweat. There's even something called the Pinocchio effect. When you lie, there's an increased blood flow to the tip of your nose, which can't be seen with the naked eye, but can be picked up from a cell phone camera with the right software. That's like some science fiction stuff where everyone's going to have Google
3: Glass that can tell us someone's lying. or Yes. Not.
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. So this is another thing we want to do in the future. Well, that is frightening slash very, very cool. Super cool.
3: But we came to Dr. Lee to help Oriana. And it turns out being able to lie is not just integral to Oriana being able to function. It's the key to human existence. It's more like the linchpin to society. That is actually more accurate. Because if all of us suddenly
5: stopped lying... The world would be miserable. Because a lot of people are going to tell to your face how terrible you are, how... Not smart you are, how ugly you are, and it's going to be terrible, terrible. Fortunately, there are these kind of inventions by humans that we can use called white lies.
1: Ah, yes, the white lie. Like when you say to your brother in law, Wow, that fedora looks great on you. Or, Unfortunately, I can't wear the matching fedora you bought me due to a delicate scalp condition. It's a lie that you tell that doesn't benefit you but spares the feelings of someone else. So the first thing
3: Dr. Lee recommends is to separate out the bad lies, which are the lies she's not comfortable with, and the good lies, the white lies. The second thing he says is Oriana can kind of avoid lying altogether by focusing on the positive things her students do. Yes, there must be something
5: the child is doing right. And if she is forced to lie, Dr. Lee has a very simple solution. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Slowing down. Yes, and by slowing herself down, she can think about what she's going to say. The the reason most of us gave away some of the clues about our lies is because we are responding too fast. We are responding naturally without thinking. So I feel like a terrible right now. I'm teaching a lot of Canadians to lie right now and how to lie well.
1: Okay, Andrew, I want to give this a shot. I'm going to try my own lie right now. <sighs> One Mississippi, two Mississippi. I did not enjoy my interview with Dr. Lee, and if he invited me on some kind of whitewater rafting weekend getaway, I would refuse. That is a great lie. Because I really want to do those things. Right,
3: right. He telegraphed a little bit, but I think, you know, you implemented what he taught us pretty well. But I feel like this advice is like telling someone to exercise or eat vegetables. It's so obvious. Like, we know this stuff. We know white lies are good. The hard part
1: is actually putting it into practice. So I have this plan. I find out she's a lover of fine arts. She's bored easily by talk of quantum physics and computer sciences. Oh, and surprisingly, she hates the musical rent.
4: It's just like, ah, it's just bloated and just, oh my, like, okay, just say the truth. Instead of lying to each other, you'd have a relationship.
1: So, we're having a talent show. We want it to feel just like The Voice. A stage, lights, a judge's chair that swivels around. But we're in a CBC conference room, and the last time we were here, we got in trouble for rearranging the tables. But the show must go on, and this talent show has been curated to be chock full of Oriana's least favorite things. And she's going to have to judge each act and only give positive feedback to each contestant. Which probably means lying through her teeth. First up, Brennan, a fake art student with a sample from her portfolio.
4: This one I've been working on, like, landscapes. Wow. So this one is, like, Flemish countryside.
1: It's a very bad one-point perspective.
4: Ah! Uh, hmm.
1: Oriana takes a deep breath.
4: I, yeah, that is... That is something.
3: It's like watching a video game character have their stamina meter slowly drain as she avoids insulting this poor lady.
4: I you can draw so much better than me, so you're like 10 steps ahead of the of the of the average.
1: Next up, Andrew made a brownie.
3: Yes, and I messed with the recipe to make sure these brownies were truly disgusting. I put in half the sugar, I doubled the salt. I tasted one of them. They still were not bad enough. So I glazed them with pickle juice. And now my friend Veronica is presenting them as her grandmother's secret recipe.
4: And so when I have to make something special, this is the thing I make. Oh, I'd love to try it.
1: Oriana takes a huge bite.
4: Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, you like it? I do. I'm not even a huge brownie person, but that is delicious.
1: She's doing really well on this. That's a great lie.
4: Oh my God, I'm so glad you appreciate it.
1: I don't know if she's lying, though. Veronica leaves, and Oriana is still eating the brownie? Did I not make it gross enough? No, you did a good job. It was gross. I mean, I soaked it in pickle juice. Yeah, that's gross, man. That's a gross thing to do.
4: It's not dry. It's nice and spongy. That was so easy.
1: Next up, Stefan, a real-life software developer.
3: So I'm here to talk to you about what part of a computer is the most important part, which is uh, an electronic circuit that is capable of adding... Stefan goes into great detail outlining transistors and logic gates, exactly the kind of stuff Oriana hates. But God bless her, she's doing her best to stay engaged. These two things together can store a one or a zero. zero okay. And that's a fundamental part
1: of the computer. So once you have- When he finally finishes, Oriana is in a daze. She's desperately grasping for any positive, semi-truthful things she can say about the presentation.
4: I really like how you laid out your talk, and it was a very step-by-step logical progression. Thank you. Yeah.
3: She's trying so hard.
1: She's sweating and looks distressed. And it's about to get worse. Here's an amateur rendition of a Rent song.
2: The late great daughter of Mother Earth. I've side.
3: never
1: seen Rent. Oh, it's so good.
4: Very nice job. seem to be very into it. Your facial expressions, I could, I could tell you really enjoyed it.
1: That's great. Oriana is focusing on the positive parts of Michelle's performance. Her face. Was that one a little closer to home?
4: That was a little more closer to home. I'm trying to stay away from feelings.
3: And is that working for you?
4: It is, actually.
3: Could you maybe on this next one, I'd love to hear you just dig deep and, and give us a whopper of a lie. Just to stretch your, your lying stretch muscles. Stretch my lying abilities. See how it feels, whatever, you know?
1: But there's a problem. We've run out of performances for the talent show. Psych. Here's more Rent. I'm writing one great song. This is my pal Tom doing one hell of a Roger.
2: Did you like that?
4: Just have to give me a second. I'm just taking in the performance.
3: Mm-hmm. Take your time. We're keeping it 100% positive. 100% right?
4: positive, okay. Uh, you have a really good, you've got a good breath control. You've got a good vocal power. Thank you. I think what you really can use, you should not stop singing. You should just maybe find a song you identify with more or you feel more comfortable with.
3: That's actually pretty nice. But remember, we also asked her to serve us up a proper, outright lie on this one. She braces herself and says the exact opposite of the only thing she knows to be true in the depths of her soul.
4: I love the musical rents.
3: (laughs) I'm proud of you on that one.
4: That took a lot.
1: (sighs) Overall, Oriana is not quite a master of deception yet. But I think she's come a long way. But it doesn't matter what I think, because we got a lie detector. That's where Dave comes in.
2: The main part of my work is relationship issues. Basically, partners that want to know if their spouse or their partner is cheating.
1: Adultery, and now, podcasts.
5: Oh my god! Oh! You're
1: going to have to breathe very deep. You're going to focus on the white lies. Dave hooks Oriana up to the polygraph machine, which is not how I pictured it at all. It looks like someone took your dad's work laptop and combined it with the wires from the back of a VCR and then attached a blood pressure cuff.
2: And first thing I'm going to do is put a little air in the cuff. And I'll get you to put your feet flat on the floor in front of you.
3: We tell her she has to intentionally lie to all his questions. No truth telling allowed.
1: When we come back, Dave's going to say, Oriana's so positive, she has nothing critical to say about art or people or anything. Okay. Dave makes us leave the room so we don't sway the results.
2: Please remain still. The test is about to begin. Do you live in Canada? Is your first name Oriana? Did you find the talk on logic gates enthralling? Did you enjoy the amateur rendition of Rent you heard? Did you enjoy the brownie that was given to you earlier?
1: After about an hour, we come back in. You look like you've run a marathon.
4: I feel like I have cuz like I'm just like I had to lie so much.
3: Apparently not enough though. Dave gives us the results.
2: The first question, did you find the talk on logic gates enthralling? She was truthful to that one.
3: You didn't even try to lie on that one.
4: I was supposed to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: That was that was kind of the test, right?
4: Oh man.
3: Apparently, she was so stressed out or maybe scared of the machine, she forgot the whole point of this test. She told the truth the whole time, so we learned nothing about her ability to lie. I'm not sure why we even needed the polygraph machine in the first place. Because Dr. Lee made it sound super cool. That's why. He really did. Yeah. And it did help us get to the bottom of something else.
2: Did you enjoy the brownie that was given to you earlier? And Oriana answered yes, and... She is telling the truth.
4: I legitimately enjoyed that brownie.
3: I explained how I messed with the recipe and the pickle juice thing.
4: I love pickle juice, though.
3: <laughs> so, okay, I guess I'll pass the recipe along.
1: <laughs> it's at this point in our story where usually our guests offers some pearl of wisdom they've learned from experiences on their journey.
4: It's just, it's so exhausting to be so deceptive. It's so much easier just to, like, tell the truth.
3: Her thoughts on lying appear to have gone back to the exact same place as when we started. Dave, the polygraph operator, bail us out here, man. What's the big lesson?
2: Um, I think, I mean, you have to be honest, whether it hurts or not. But you have to be able to learn to say it in a way that is less hurtful. I think that's the important takeaway.
1: Dave, if that happens, you'll be out of business.
2: That's fine. I'm ready to retire.
1: I'm Rob Norman, and you just heard a podcast called Personal Best. Andrew Norton produces the show. Yasmin Maturan and Jess Shane are our associate producers. All the music in this episode done by Breakmaster Cylinder. We had production help with the episode from Cecil Fernandez and Luke Williams. Arf Narani is the executive producer of CBC Original Podcasts. Thanks to our talent show contestants Stephen Battison, Michelle LaPlante, Tom Hearn, Veronica Simmons, and Brennan Ashbridge. Oh, and last episode, we had a fake UPS guy. He was played by a guy named Chris Oak, and I pronounced his name Chris Oki. Chris, I'm so sorry. You have a much more popular podcast than us. Please don't crush us like the bugs we are. And I also have an update about our trophy. So I was on my way to the food court, and I walked past the trophy case. It's completely gone. Oh, this sucks. If
3: anyone in the building has seen our trophy, please email personalbest at cbc.ca.
1: Personal Best is a CBC original podcast. Another CBC original podcast is Love Me. It's made by our pals Mira, Burt Wintonic, and Crystal Duhame They produced my favorite CBC show of all time called Wiretap. So you have to check out their latest season of Love Me. If you aren't subscribed, either you're very busy or you're purposely avoiding tender and beautifully assembled stories about the messiness of human connection. It's an incredible podcast. Also, there's an episode that features our very own associate producer, Jess Shane. I
4: was like, should I should I look at it? And I was like, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't read it. That's his private thing. But I had this nagging feeling. I was like, what if he wrote about last night?
3: She wore a cow costume on our show. You can subscribe to Love Me wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
4: Need to, to express need to communicate
1: to go in against, against
3: the brain, the brain going in
2: single rent. yeah <laughs> all right great Tom thank you so
1: much For more CBC original podcasts go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.